1: Prophecy to the knowing from the elder blood is back, Ida and Ian said, looking at Philippa. And the repetition in all versions of the legend suggests the theme of prophecy provides food for thought.
2: Hello and welcome to episode five of the podcast of surprise. Today, super excited to be here. We're gonna do uh something a little bit different. We've never really done this so far. We are going to talk spoilers today. And uh, I would like to introduce my fantastic co-host. What's going on, guys? How you doing, Mikael?
1: Good. Pretty good. Excited to talk about Mega, Endgame, all the stuff. Spoilers. Let's talk about eight novels. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but we, we uh, do want to thank everybody that's been supporting the podcast. Uh, really, really excited to have some supporters who have tossed a coin to your podcasters and YouTubers. So that's been really cool. Aziz, the new feature that we've had on Anchor.
0: Yeah, definitely. Thank you for supporting us, folks. Uh, that would be Mara, Ryan B., Sam D., and James G. Give a quick shout out to the Witcher Wiki, S. Mickey who is one of the, the captains over there and responsible for saving some of the material that was lost when Andrzej Sapkowski's website went down many years ago. And to our friend of the show, Ludmilla, for helping us get, uh, get a hold of all that stuff. Been looking over that the last few days and it added to some of the notes that we had for today. It's very good stuff. Extra material. Sort of like a Sapkowskerillion or something. I don't know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think all of us are on the same page of this. There is going to be big spoilers like spoiling the whole story. If you haven't read through, we as readers and lovers of The Witcher books recommend enjoy it organically and get there yourself. So this is a warning. This point going forward, there is massive, massive spoilers.
0: The focus of today is Elder Blood, the search for the Elder Blood, what it means, then also the line of Calanthe's line, her recent family. Um, a lot of them are carriers of the Elder Blood, so we're going to talk about some of them. This is thoroughly explained in Baptism of Fire. That's where that quote comes from. This is when you have. Several of the mages sit down to explain this to the other mages, and it is a bit confusing. And and it's meant to be, even the other mages get confused. We have a quote for our funny moments that Sabrina is just like, this is just way over my head. (laughs) (laughs) That quote explains to you the knowing. Knowing is a capital K there. The gift of prophecy to the knowing is, that's the medium. That's when Siri just like starts randomly, not randomly, but seemingly randomly spewing prophecy, and she doesn't even remember what she just said, that's this. That's These two things go together, apparently. If you have the elder blood, it means that you either always or often have these moments of prophecy. So it's important to distinguish between elder blood and just magical talent. The elder blood is something much more beyond. It's a genetic thing that comes from, well, these elves apparently but it's not the same as just being able to use magic. If y'all remember at the beginning of Blood of Elves, they weren't sure Siri could use magic at all, just that she had these magical magic in her, but she couldn't make signs and do these other things. Of course, eventually she started becoming quite powerful, but
1: <laughs> yeah, she she can do some magic, Siri.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, it's you know, it's like someone like Yennefer that has magical talent doesn't have elder blood even though she does have a little bit of elvish in her. Elder blood and elvish blood aren't the same thing. Although they get, you know, they have some overlap in concepts. So it is, it is a little confusing. This is a good example of details that are subtle, that if you don't like sit down and think about them, it, some of the information might get crossed up. And of course, this is all really old because elves, you know, elves and humans have been mixing for a long time. And as we know, elves taught humans magic in the first place. And that's that's kind of neat.
1: Aziz did math. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I had fun figuring out how much elf was in people, and and uh, <laughs> weird way to put it, but
1: <laughs> the story of Lara and Kregenin is a true story, but so overgrown with fabulous ornaments it is hardly recognizable. There are huge differences between the human and elven versions of the legend. In both, resonates chauvinism and racial hatred. Therefore, I will cast off the ornaments and confine myself to the dry facts. And yes, Kragenan of Lod was a sorcerer. Lara Doran Apshadel was an elven sorceress. Ain Chevain, one of the knowing, mysterious, even-to-us elves. They carried Hen Echir, the elder blood. Their friendship, and then the loving bond between them, was first greeted with joy by both races. However, soon enemy opponents spoke against the connection of human and elven magic. Among the elves and among the humans were those who considered it treason. There were also problems obscure now about personal feuds, jealousy, and envy. In short, as a result of the intrigue, Krigenon was killed. Larodoran, hunted and persecuted, died of exhaustion in the wilderness while birthing a daughter. The child was saved miraculously, then sheltered by Sero, queen of Redania.
0: So this child was named Rhiannon. She looked so much like Lara that there were rumors that it was a resurrection. So there was lots of magic surrounding this. So whenever there's lots of magic and the story spreads wide, there's going to be rumors and just things popping up, their own interpretations, and some of those interpretations are going to sound cool to other people, so they're going to spread them around. Sarah was married to King Vredank, who was... Uh, well, we'll talk about him a little later. Sarah kind of took her on as, as a stepmother and so Sarah Sarah's kind of like a good stepmother here. And she's half elf herself. So that's perhaps part of where this sympathy came from. Part of it anyway was to save this child, this baby, this helpless child. I mean, you, could, you don't have to be the same race as the baby to have sympathy for a helpless child. But it, it is the case in this, place, in this situation. Interestingly, we actually get a mention of King Vridank and Sero in A Question of Price. It's one of those sneaky, just historical references that slides right by. But now that we've done our research, we know where it is. So let's have that quote.
1: I wonder why this one slides by. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) Geralt, said Calanthi, her fingers tapping an emerald necklace, the smallest stone of which was the size of a bumblebee. What sort of task do you expect as a witcher? What? digging a well, repairing a hole in the roof, weaving a tapestry of all the positions King Verdank and the beautiful Cerro tried on their wedding night. And we escape skate right past it. <laughs>
0: yeah, we just like, who was that? We don't know <laughs> uh-huh, who that sex is. sex <laughs> joke.
1: Bye, that's not important. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, what happens is that y'all have heard of the Rebellion of Falca, Bloody Falca, Falca the Bloody, and it's going to tie into a lot of different plot lines, and this is one of them. What happens is Rhiannon has two kids. That's Amavet and either Fiona or Adela. And then Sero and Vridank and all all their regular children, their true-born children, were killed by Falca during her rebellion. Falca threw Rhiannon in prison with the two babies, but then for some reason decided to have Rhiannon raise her child as well because Falca had a bastard girl. So the three were raised together, Rhiannon went insane and was unable to tell the children apart other than Amavet, who was a boy. So Fiona and Adela are get confused by historians in world as well as readers. <laughs> we don't know which was which. Uh, that guy, that researcher, Fenn, the guy in the wheelchair says he thinks it was Fiona, but the official story is it was Adela. It doesn't really matter for our purposes today, but it's an interesting little mystery that just adds some another level to all this
1: yeah i think it's it's really important you know obviously siri has that confrontation with i think the spirit of Falca in it's the end of time of contempt i think which is my favorite book and such a badass name like, i love it <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't know if we re, re- like as, as we reread i'm actually interested because like maybe i'll like other books more but there's nothing like the name time of contempt. <laughs> it's
2: really anyway <laughs>
1: Yeah, so it's, it becomes really important because Siri takes on the name Falka in her wanderings, her, you know, her, her straying from the path, uh, you know, which is a, t- a really, really dark time for her and in the story. And she kind of disassociates from her identity as Siri to take on this personality of Falka. And I think it does kind of speak to the fact that the history continues to influence everything that's going on, even as Like we're learning the history of Falka while Siri is just like off being Falka Mm -hmm. and those two things go together really well. But it's super (laughs) dark. It's like so dark.
2: (laughs) It's kind of interesting in the same way we hear tales about Geralt while he's out adventuring, you know, the songs. Yeah. So this is uh, the Houtberg triplets
0: is the name for these three kids. And they're a big part of the genealogy because Siri and Kalanthi and Pavetta all descend from this line both ways. Amavet and either Fiona or Adela go off and, well, Fiona, Adela doesn't have any more kids. So it doesn't, that's part of why it doesn't necessarily matter which is the real child of Falca and which was actually Rhiannon's. Amavet has bastard children and Fiona has children. And those two lines marry outside of each other and then come back together in Calanthe
2: That's the sort of unity, the sort of equality you're dreaming of, the sort you're talking about and you're trumpeting. Nilfgaard pays you gold to do it, and it's hardly surprising you love each other so much The Nilfgaardians being an elven race.
1: Nonsense, the elf said coldly. You talk rubbish, tonight. You're clearly blinded by racism. The Nilfgaardians are human, just like you. That's an
2: outright lie. They're descended from the Black Sheen. and everyone knows it. Heaven blood flows through their veins, the blood of elves.
1: And what flows through yours? The elf smiled derisively. We've been combining our blood for generations, for centuries, your race and mine, and doing so quite successfully. Fortunately, or unfortunately, I don't know, you started persecuting mixed relationships less than a quarter century ago, and incidentally, not very successfully. So show me a human now who hasn't a dash of she, a the blood... Of
2: the Elder
0: Race. Mm-hmm. That is an awesome quote. I love that quote so much. It's, it's, it touches on so many different things and it's right at the beginning of the whole series. So it's, it's clearly meant to be like a, a seminal moment to set things up. The first scene of A Blood of Elves mm-hmm. after the prologue, which is, of course, the burning of Sintra. So this is the meeting under the great tree. Mm-hmm. And so this is what I was referring to at the beginning, where every, almost everyone has some elven blood. It's kind of an anti-racism conversation where you're like, look, we all have the same blood when you really get down to it. Sure, we have different proportions of it, maybe, but we've all been mixing forever. It's a really beautiful scene. That last bit about how you only started persecuting mixed relationships less than a quarter of a century ago is a direct reference to Cero and, uh, or maybe not direct, but indirect reference to this relationship between Lara Doran and Bretonan, because as we, as it said in the initial quote, at first people were like, "Oh, cool, they're you know they got together," but then the, the racists came out, and it was wasn't just words; it was violence. But it's interesting to see that Nilfgaard has this influence from a different elvish race or different elvish culture in general. Nilfgaard Culture has a lot of elf in it, meaning like their language is rooted in Elvish. That's why guys like Kay here, their full name, are really cool and long and hard to say. <laughs> but that's that's the Elvish influence. So that's that's kind of neat, just, to, just as a, from a world building perspective. Okay, so let's have a little fun with the with the actual fun. tracking. Okay. <laughs> <don't know>. Yeah, <laughs> tracking of the, <laughs> tracking of the uh, blood here. So here is the official lines, the, the marriages that led to Siri. So it starts with Albaron, who is king of the Aen's cell. The I don't know how to say that. That's the creepy guy at the end of Lady of the Lake who's going to sleep with Siri to bring the elder blood back into their line. But of course, he's sterile and gross and can't do it. And that's a
2: good thing.
1: It's so disturbing. I'm going to have so much to it say is.
2: about. It. <laughs> He's super old. The age difference is enormous. It's about 630-ish years.
1: Gross.
2: <laughs> <laughs> My god.
0: So that's pretty bad. So it's really, it's, it's, it's extra gross when you look at this tree and you're like, so he was trying to like be at the top of this tree and the bottom? Like, whoa, you're not supposed to span that much of a family tree one being isn't supposed to be able to like, oh, uh, yeah, that's just, that's just something wrong with that. So, well, lots of things wrong with that. So Alberon and Shadal, the, who is aka the White Queen, they had a child named Lara Doran. Lara Doran is of course the one we just mentioned. She had a child, Rhiannon, with Kragan of Vlad, and he was a human sorcerer. Rhiannon, who's a half elf, married King Goidemar of Temeria, who was quarter elf. And that's where you get Am- Amavet and Fiona, or Amavet and Adela, rather. And then Fiona marries King Coram of Sintra, and they have Corbett. Corbett marries Ellen of Cadwin, and they have Daggerad. Daggerad marries Adelia, and they have Calanthe. On the other end, Amavet doesn't marry, but has a relationship with Anna Kameni, and he's killed for it because she was married. Her husband was not too happy about that. They had Muriel. Muriel, child with Robert of Garamone. That child was Adelia. and Adelia, we have then, of course, Queen Calanthe marries Rogner, and they have Pavetta, and then Pavetta and Amir equals Cyrilla. So that's pretty straightforward. And then we have Oberon Oberon, and Cyrilla, which didn't happen thanks to whatever it was that killed him, either Fistech or some other poison, or it's not entirely clear. So Calanthe is where it all merges again. So that's really interesting that Calanthe didn't have any power herself, but she is where the genes combined again. And it's like the activator gene and the actual elder blood gene. It's like the latent gene. It's, It's like I said, it's explained in Baptism of Fire. But when those two genes combined again in her... The elder blood was sort of reactivated and then passed to Pavetta, and then obviously passed to Cirilla. Now, one thing that isn't really well explained here is Siri is obviously gets elvish blood and elder blood from her mother, but we don't know how. We don't know what kind of blood Emir has, uh, Dooney has, because there's certainly a, we, as we just said, there's elf in that line, but we have no idea how much. So...
1: The blood of the queens of Sintra began Crach in a thoughtful tone. Is strangely connected with the sea. If a woman of this blood dies, the sea falls into true madness. It is said that our Galiga mourns Rhiannon's daughters because the storms are so strong that that the west waves permeate the island, waves attacking cracks and caves until they suddenly seep from rock salt rivulets on the east side, and the whole island shakes. The common people say, Ordsklega sobs. Again, someone has died. The blood of Rhiannon has died. The elder blood.
2: Oh yes, that was great.
0: One character who really has a major turnaround from Question of Price is the man who needed fists shaken at him, crack on crate. He becomes a much better man, shall we say. But here, of all people, he indicates a piece of magic that's tied to the Elder Blood.
1: Yeah, a lot of Yennefer's time on Scaliga is like people saying things to her and her being like, bullshit, and then being like, oh, it's true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, I've seen it three times. And it was exactly when Adelia died, Kalanthi died, and Pavetta died. And it didn't happen when Ciri, quote unquote, died. Hmm. which is his which is how he knows Siri didn't die. He's like nope, Siri's alive. He's he's his evidence is totally different than Yennefer's or Geralt's or anyone's cuz he's like, nope, there was no madness of the sea. So Siri's alive and uh, he's 100% confident and he was 100% right and that is just really cool.
2: Avillgaforth is tied to the madness of the sea. In the books it's called the Maelstrom, but uh, obviously different cultures see it differently and call it the madness of the sea.
0: Yeah. So it's really neat like this this is a, a cool little way for each different people to have figured things out.
2: And it's crazy because Pavetta senses it, like the shy Pavetta, right? She senses that something is gonna happen. Yeah. This part we're calling
0: the Daughters of Raven because the official title of royal women born from the Cintran line is Daughters of Raven, and the men are sons of Raven. The founder of the house of Raven, the founder of the kings and queens of Sintra is. Serban, and sometimes the dynasty is called the Serban's dynasty because he was the founder, but he was known for his raven-winged helmet, which is like Kahir's helmet. He has basically the same helmet as Kehir. and this is why they're called the daughters of, or sons of Raven because he was known for that helmet. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if like when Siri is having all these dreams of Kahir coming after him, it's, there's almost like an overtone of the weight of her ancestry is coming for her too.
2: Like her re-experiencing actual history and memories? yeah. It's like merging
0: mm-hmm. of like her, her real fears with like ancestral, I don't know what to, what word to use. Just
2: magic notions. Just recall. I don't, yeah, I don't, it's, it's really cool though. They say trauma can be passed through as well through generations. So that's kind of an interesting. Well, thing.
1: also there is magic. Yeah,
2: magic, <laughs> especially yeah. magic. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, but that would make sense because K here kind of plays an outsized role in Siri's mind uh, compared to like their actual interactions. I, I could see something like that being a recall moment or something.
0: So the the excellent and amazing Queen Meve of or Mev I don't know how to say it, from, from Lyria, her branch, the Lyrian kings and queens, are descended from the Serbans, the Quorum Dynasty, aka House of Ravens. So the Cintrons and the Lyrians have a blood connection. That's part of why Meeve was like, I'll take Siri, and she can come hang out in my castle and I'll marry her off in secret to one of my knights. And there's also rumors that Maeve and Calanthe had a a relationship when they were both young.
1: Okay, so my first reaction was like, yeah, get it, Calanthe. And then I was also like, actually, I mean, yes, but also accusations of like sexual deviance is something that powerful women face a lot. So that could also be thrown in there.
2: You're right. And Queen Maeve is not your prototypical... She's a soldier queen. She's a fighter, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: She inherited it, missing a generation. And no mistake, said the druid. Her grandmother, Adalia, could raise a drawbridge with a twitch of her eyebrows.
0: Surprisingly, Adalia is alive during A Question of Price. She's just off hanging out with Tesea. <laughs> <laughs> She's friends with Tesea, but never became a mage, even though she had the talent for it. And she died when she was 95. Yeah. But didn't want to be a sorcerer, so she apparently returned to Sintra a year, uh, like a year after Question of Price, and uh, like shortly after
2: Siri was born, and had some sort of argument with Kalanthi. And I think Adelia knew that she was magical, and I think there was some sort of disagreement on. That specific part,
1: uh, my I have twofold reactions. One of which is I'm pretty sure the women of Sintra fight with each other constantly. <laughs> it's <laughs> not very difficult to uh, spark an argument like that. Um, but also, I wonder if maybe she wanted to, if Adalia wanted to take Siri away and like maybe raise her on I don't know with Tessiah or you know on Erotesa. Yeah, there you go. Because Calanthe reacts so so strongly when Geralt comes, and like they have that whole. Mind game back and forth about like, are you going to take my grand grandchild? Sorry, not going to expose the fact that it's a girl yet.
0: So a little bit of history repeating itself in the in the recent line of Centran monarchs, there had been a run of the monarchs dying youngish, or at least in their like youngish meaning like in their thirties, and having someone young take over. Kalanti took over when she was seventeen when Adalia's husband, Dagarad died at age 34 while hunting, of course. <laughs> and Adalia was sort of retired as, and then Kalanti became full queen. Then, short period where she has the affair, the accusations of an affair with Queen Meve and, and some other things. And then she's married at age 17, and is born when she was 19. So, one other piece of tradition breaking and this might be intentional. I want to see if you guys have any takes on this. Every name until Daggerad in the centring line started with a C: Corum and Cedric. Then even Cirilla kind of brings it back around, but Pavetta um, is another deviation from that. And I wonder if it was some choice on Kalanthi's part, or
2: we, we we know we know that Kalantha has anxiety about all of these situations, right? She has things like she's she's worried about Nilfgaard, and she's trying to keep power, and she's trying to find a new king and stuff. So she's got all of these worries, and then the, this added-on magic element is, is something that makes her anxious, I think. So maybe it's some sort of superstitious thing, Aziz, you know what I mean? By changing the name, uh. maybe want to subvert it that way.
1: I mean, it could be an interesting pattern break. I wouldn't put anything past Sapkowski, but yeah, it might just kind of be like a, a small signal to the reader.
0: The marriage to Rogner, Rogner wasn't as high up. He was a little lower th- uh, in rank than you would expect a husband to be. But Ebbing is where he came from. He was a Duke of Salm and Ebbing. Elbe- Ebbing is dependent on Nilfgaard. So that's another like mm. connection with the eventual ambitions of Nilfgaard because these terror that's part of, you know, Cintra is just right on the border with territories that are very much nilfgaardian influenced and being on the south side of the Yoruga makes them kind of a geographical target, I suppose, for expansion. Codringer in mentions that he there's a chance that Kalanti had Rogner killed. Probably not, though uh it's a rumor. I would guess not, actually, because of the fact that you know, she would have probably succeeded or tried again if, you know, she didn't kill him when he came back from his expedition with Dooney and, of course, didn't admit to the child of surprise thing. But they were together a long time. And I just think if Calanthe wanted him dead he'd have been dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she had a
2: long time. I think that suspicion is raised because uh, she does voice her opinion that she does think Ragnar is a bit of an oaf. She, she, is, she is pissed at the whole child of surprise thing. So some people will go back and think, well, hey, you know, maybe this, you know what I mean? Maybe there were bigger problems than we actually thought. You know what I mean? Mm. Because that, that was a kind of a big tipping point for her. She's like, this is our kid. Like, I'm not giving our kid away. Yeah.
1: I'm just struck by the fact that they didn't have any more children.
2: Hmm. Yeah.
1: Like they were married for a long time and only had Pavetta. And I'm kind of like, I feel like Calanthe might have been doing that intentionally. (laughs) 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 If she has a son, she can't control who rules Sintra.
0: After the fall of Sintra, there was a lot of blame thrown around and even before the fall of Cintra, there were a lot of people who didn't like calanthe because of, you know she broke tradition she was a queen and they they wanted to have a king and you know she just didn't behave the way that a lot of people expected a woman to behave which we like but a lot of characters in world did not like and surprisingly, one of the characters who really, really turned on not just Calante, but all the recent Cintran women, was Marshal Visigurd,
1: Queen of Sintra and the Scaliga Islands, why not? Duchess of Bruga, the Countess of Sodden, go ahead, we bow at the waist. And why, I humbly ask, not the Queen of the Sun and Moon? Her cursed and tainted blood has no right to the throne. Cursed blood, the whole female line of this family is cursed. Vile creatures, beginning with Rhiannon. Siri's great-grandmother, Adalia, played the harlot with her cousin as her mother, Muriel, fornicated with everyone. So yeah, again, again this kind of like sexual deviancy is disqualifying slander for queen.
2: Right. I think if Calanthe was to suffer from one sin or we could associate one sin with her, it would be pride. Obviously, she shares a very big connection with Siri. She obviously loves Siri, but there's also parts of her that because of what she's experienced, she, uh, those lay to her anxieties because of her, you know, all of this other stuff that has happened.
1: In the burning streets, she would inevitably and futilely die at the hands of mobs of soldiers. But the lioness, do you know what she is supposed to have said, according to witnesses? No. Better that the blood of the girl flows on the pavement of Sintra than it be desecrated. How would it be desecrated? Through
0: her marriage to Emperor Amir. Calanthe is saying that if Siri were to marry Emir, then her blood would be desecrated. So that's a really strong language and allowing... And so she'd rather see her daughter die than marry here. So what do you... Do you think that's just like a... I'd l- she hates here that much or... Yeah, or is it that she figured out who he was?
1: I think she suspects it. I, I think she suspects for a while. I think she actually suspects even hmm. maybe in question of price, though I have nothing to back that up with. But to me, like what kept jumping out at me is um, in the sort of Destiny s- short story, Mausak mentions t- to Geralt that like, as soon as Ciri was born, uh, Calanthe was like, kill the mm. baby. And That is a big that's, deal. Yeah, that's a big deal. <laughs> uh, and Mausak was like, well, I can't say no to the queen. Also, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> I'm getting out of here. And then, and then Kalanthi was like, "Actually, never mind. I changed my mind." So I don't know if that was like a, you know, when your grandchild is is theoretical, you can be like, "Yeah, just kill it," you know. And she changed her mind because of grandmother we love, or if she changed her mind for some tactical reason, I, like I, I don't know. But I do think that she that a lot of what Kalanthi does is trying to keep the power that she has and that her family has away from. Nelfgard and away from Amir, and it doesn't end up working. Unfortunately, well, sort of does, eventually.
0: It seems to be a recurring theme that people have like dark plans for Shiri that they change their mind on. I wonder if it's like a. I wonder if that's supposed to be like a a hidden hand of destiny thing, because obviously Amir is going to do the awful and just changes his mind, and so does uh, Aberon. Doesn't change his mind. He just can't go through with it. Which, but that's sort of similar and if Calanthe originally wanted her own granddaughter dead (laughs) and then changes her mind, that's kind of the same thing
1: throughout the story, especially as Siri becomes an adult and a sexual person, she, a lot of her story becomes like, who is going to impregnate Siri, not because of Siri, but because of the elder blood, they want that genetics. And like, they just, they just need her as like a, process mode you know an incubator for the part of the elder blood that they need and it's it's really worth paying attention to how many people yeah. go through that and 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 go to insane lengths to try and and make that happen and then um you know uh, well we're in spoiler cast it doesn't happen but you know
2: <laughs> hmm. one thing that i love so much is and this is why i consider a Geralt and yennefer series real parents is because they give her agency they want mm-hmm. they want her to be happy. You know what I mean. They 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 know it's difficult, but they still they they know that Siri is going to make her own choices. They don't mm-hmm. always try to stop her. They try to protect her, right, from all of this other stuff.
1: They everybody wants Siri's genetics. They want Siri because of her genetics and what she can produce for them. And Geralt and Yennefer are the people who love Siri for who she is. It's it's possible that Kalanthi Calan- could honestly be in either of those camps. I I don't know. I like to think maybe it was both. I
2: think both, yeah. Because we because we have Vilgax who is worst version of yeah. Straxi, yeah. and then we have Amir <laughs> the the creep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it is interesting
0: too. Like from Siri's perspective, everyone knows who she is uh, or has heard of her, mm-hmm. so she's kind of like that famous like the the stereotypical famous person who can't ever know if someone loves them. For themselves, because it's like, well, I, I'm a famous person, and maybe you just love me for my fame or, or this other stuff. It's a similar thing where she's not just famous; she's also got magical blood. So she almost has to go to other worlds to find someone that <laughs> doesn't know who she is, <laughs> like almost literally or literally actually.
1: She has to literally go into a legend, <laughs> yeah. And then yeah.
0: So it's uh, that's that's a bit of a, a sad part of it is that she can't. It's like hard to have a normal relationship when you're when you're that when you're child of the elder blood and a princess and all that that much political and magical power merging together
1: bloody hell from hissed through her teeth i'm lost said sabrina glevesig in the jungle of all this genetic genealogy
2: so a big uh, reason this episode happened was all of the awesome people on our podcast a surprise facebook group come to our Facebook group and come chat with us. We do all sorts of little threads and extra stuff and we do kind of some spoiler talks and some other threads and stuff like that. You can follow the podcast of Surprise on Twitter. Pod Surprise if you want to go find us on Twitter. Of course, if you're enjoying it and you want to support the podcast, you can hit that support button by pledging $1, $5, or $10 a month or you can leave a review or rate the podcast. That really helps out as well. Thank you everyone for joining and we will see you all in the next pod. Bye!